Welcome. Welcome to, uh, to North Haven. Uh, my name is Adam Sidler. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's, uh, it's a joy to be together, even though uh, we've had a little bit of uh, a sample of winter. Apparently this next week we're heading back into the fall, uh, and then uh, a week later we'll go back into winter. That's usually how it works here. So uh, my son was getting super excited when um, you know, that kind of like that fake snow kind of fell, you know, that sleet or whatever we want to call it. And he loves Christmas. I mean, he wants to set out Christmas decorations now. Uh, so we're, tr- we're trying to hold him at bay, almost literally having to hold him back. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we are here today. We are with one another. Uh, we have the joy and the privilege now of not only sharing this time, but then to experience the presence of God. And uh, certainly as we uh, experience that worship together and the worship team does such a fantastic job of setting the stage and to make sure that our, that our minds and our hearts are focused on the goodness of the Lord and then uh, to be able to, to go through child dedication together, what a fantastic experience. Um, so I'm super excited to be here and to share this with you, especially since I wasn't with everyone last Sunday. So uh, if you were here, by the way, Really quick, if you are new or if you're relatively new here to North Haven and we haven't met, I would love to meet you. I'm going to be at the information desk, as Alex said, after the service. And uh, if you would come up to me and just introduce yourself, uh, allow me to, to just get to know you a little bit, and then I got a small gift that I want to put in your hands. Uh, we're just thrilled that uh, you decided to be with us here today. Now, this is a place that my family and I have come to uh, feel as home, and, and we really believe that it's a place that you can uh, experience as home as well. So we hope that that's true for you today. Uh, so please take advantage of that. And also, if you haven't finished or filled out that connection card, again, as Alex mentioned, that's a real vital piece here in our life together as a church. And the biggest piece of that puzzle is really the prayer request that you have the, uh, the opportunity of filling out. So on the back of that is that, um, that space. And if you would fill that out, please, even though the offering baskets came by already, if after you fill that out, you leave that um, on the seat as you leave, uh, we'll pick that up after the service. We spend time, as much time as it takes as a staff, praying for all of those requests. And to be able to know how we can lift you up in prayer, that's a huge thing. And so please, you know, privilege us, bless us with that. That would be fantastic. So I wasn't with uh, you all last uh, Sunday. Um, I was... Uh, some people would say that I was insane um, and uh, participated in the Twin Cities Marathon. I'm, I'm saying participated instead of running because I don't know if running is what I actually did. But I participated and went 26.2 miles rather slowly. Has there been anybody here that's ran a marathon before? Fantastic. Anybody walked a marathon? Who's watched a marathon? Good job. That's fantastic. That is great. Yeah. Now, so I, um, about four years ago, I was uh, um, 300 pounds. I was on my way to diabetes and heart disease. It was just bad news. And I decided I needed to make a change in my life. And so I made a series of steps, or I took a series of steps that eventually led me to want to check off one of my bucket lists. And one of that was the uh, running a marathon. And I decided that the best thing to do would be to do that when I turned 40. So there was a marathon on my birthday, 
in San Diego. And so I went to San Diego with my wife, and we ran that together. And I not only celebrated my birthday, but I almost died on my birthday. But I, I survived. I survived, made it to the end, made it to the end. And uh, I got the bug. I got the bug because I was super invested in wanting to do much better than what I did that first time out. And uh, so I started just, you know, training and getting really serious about it. And I ran the Disney Marathon um, that next January. And then I ran Grandma's Marathon that next June. And then I had Achilles surgery. And then I ended up going back and running the Grandma's Marathon uh, last summer. And then I decided to run the Twin Cities Marathon because I'd never done that before. But I forgot the most vital part, which is to train. I didn't train this time at all. So... I, uh, I, I didn't really do any runs beforehand, and uh, uh, needless to say, I, I struggled, but I didn't crawl across the finish line, so that was a, that was a small victory. So I know that there are others that uh, did fantastic, some good friends of mine who ran it, and they made some good times. But anyways, I wasn't with y'all last Sunday. We had instead David Yonke, one of our missionaries that we support, uh, was with us. And if you were here, you were inspired and encouraged by his words and, and uh, his uh, uh, emphasis on the gospel and what it is that, that our job is as believers and as a church. And so I hope that you are encouraged by that. I certainly am appreciative that uh, he was with us this last Sunday. And I'm sure you noticed that as you walked in, we have our missions fair going on in the commons, and so all of those, those uh, ministries and missionaries that you see out there are ones that we support and that we uh, have gotten behind and said, hey, we're going to not only pray and encourage and lift up these individuals, but we're going to also uh, support them fiscally, support them financially in order to help them go in the, in the way that God's called them to. So after the service, you know, there's going to be opportunities to go and to connect with them. But this also is the beginning of our, our uh, encouragement, our challenge, our prayer for you and for me, for all of us to consider then now our faith promise coming into the year 2020. So a lot of you are aware of this, some of you aren't, but our fiscal year runs uh, with our our physical year, our calendar year. So our um, budget year every year goes from January 1st to uh, December 31st. And so we're now in the throes of looking at ministry budgets and all that stuff, and we'll have a chance in November to vote on that as a, as a, as a membership. Um, but part of uh, what we do uh, financially going into January is our annual faith promise. Now, this has been going on for, how long has this faith promise been, been happening here? Would you guesstimate? Somebody help me out. 20 years. All right. Thank you, whoever that was. 20 years. So every year, what we do is we give the congregation, we encourage the congregation to prayerfully consider what it is that they want to fiscally commit to, to promise, to, to put forth in faith for the 2020 calendar year, specifically in regards to missions. Meaning that the money that we get back, in re, or not the money, but the commitments, the, the promises that we get back are going to then dictate what the missions committee decides to then allocate to these missionaries and ministries over the year. So last week, if you were with us, we had a breakdown of what it is that we're looking at. So we're looking at a total faith promise 
budget of $72,000. And those, that $72,000 goes to specific missionaries. It goes to uh, ministries. And we're just now asking you to prayerfully consider how you can be a part of that now as we step into this faith promise year. So in your worship folder, there's this little card. Now, all this card is today is just a reminder. It's just a way for you to, to put this somewhere in your Bible, on your fridge, uh, in your car, you know, just somewhere where you're going to see it and be reminded to pray. And I want to challenge you to do this, to pray asking God, God, how are you wanting me to be a part of this in 2020? That's all I want you to do. I'm not asking you to make any commitment. I'm not asking you to put any dollar amount down. All I'm asking you to do is to have the courage to ask God, what are you calling me to do? And then listen to what God, God tells you and how he leads. So then in two weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to have a celebration where we're going to, we're going to receive these, these commitment cards. And like I said, we have that $72,000 goal, but we're hoping to exceed that. Why can't we? That'd be fantastic. As many of you probably noticed in the Faith Promise uh, breakdown, there's a new ministry that isn't represented out there, but we're hoping to be able to um, get the commitment so that we can make this happen. But Destiny Rescue, a ministry that, that uh, Christian ministry that we want to partner with that fights sex trafficking all throughout the world. And specifically, we're asking for enough funds to go to Destiny Rescue to save five children from slavery. That's incredible. How awesome would it be to be able to say we're going to save 10? So prayerfully consider how you can be a part of this year's faith promise. That's, uh, that's for you guys to, to put in a place again that uh, God's going to remind you. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, this book, as you came in, uh, we have this, uh, this missions booklet. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on here because it's pretty self-explanatory, but really a synopsis of all these missionaries and ministries. But then what's really cool is specific ways that you can be praying for these things. So please take a moment, look at that, and then head out to the, uh, the missions fair after the service. So missions, we're, we're going to be looking at, or looking at that over the next few weeks, but specifically missions in relation to the gospel. Now missions, if we were to give it a, a definition, we first need to look at that word, missions. It comes from the Latin word missio, which means to send. And so if we were to give missions, Christian missions, a definition, we would say that it's the act of sending out for the primary purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus. The act of sending for the primary purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus. So the first question when we consider missions, when we look at these ministries out there and when we talk about this, who's sending us? So if missions is the act of being sent out, then who is it that's sending? Well, we see that in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It'll be on the screen where it says this, go into all the world. Jesus says these words to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So who's sending us? Jesus. Jesus is the one sending. The act of being sent by Jesus for the sole purpose of spreading the gospel. So then the next question is, what is the gospel? 
Now, we're, we're part of North Haven. We're part of a larger uh, kind of uh, conglomerate of churches. It's not really a denomination. It's a, an association. It used to be called the Baptist General Conference, but Converge sounds cooler. <laughs> and so Converge is this, this, this kind of umbrella thing that we're a part of, and um, Converge provides resources. And one of the things that they do is they have church planning assessments. These are week-long assessments that any prospective church planner and their spouse uh, are encouraged to go to for the sole purpose of assessing whether or not they, they are a, a good candidate to, to plan a church because there's a lot of financial resources that go into that, and we want to make sure that we're setting people up in the way that God calls them. And so they're not only church planner, prospective church planners and their spouses there, but also assessors. And so I had the privilege of being an assessor one time. I was there. And one of the things that we as assessors had to do is get one-on-one with an individual, like a prospective church planner. And that church planner had to share with us in less than five minutes the details of the gospel. And we had a checklist. We had things, you know, that we had to make sure that, that they, they, uh, they noted or they, they had mentioned and basically kind of gave them like a grade after, the, after that. And it was striking to me how these are individuals who have decided that they want to give their, their lives in regards to their occupation to the Lord. They want to pastor churches, and yet they were struggling to even get through the basics of the gospel. And I would venture to say that there are a lot of you, if I asked you to, to stand up right now, and I won't, but if I asked you to stand up and share to everybody, um, uh, oh, you know what, I w- no, I'm just kidding, I won't do And to share the gospel, some of you, a lot of you will struggle. Not that you don't know the gospel. If you have decided to follow Jesus and make him the leader of your life, well, then the Bible tells you you're saved, you're free, You've experienced the gospel, but do you know the gospel? Do you know the what? Because what do you do then when you come across somebody who wants to know the what? Are you able to communicate that in the way that Jesus commands us to, to spread the gospel to all of creation? And so we're going to look at the what. Now there's two points that we first need to understand when we look at the gospel. Two important points. The first is this. The gospel is authoritative, meaning that it is, it is trustworthy. It is truth. It is fixed in its place. The gospel of Jesus doesn't fluctuate. It is what it is. Now, we're going to look at what it is, but that is fixed. But then what's also true is that the way that the gospel interacts with a person's life, apart from from salvation, apart from the fact that only God can save through the gospel, but where a person is when they approach the gospel, when they experience the gospel, where they've been, and then how they interact with the truth of the gospel as they move forward is very specific and unique to each person. So the gospel is fixed, it is authoritative, it is truthful and trustworthy, it does not sway or ebb and flow, but how it interacts with us apart from salvation is specific and unique. 
So, the first thing we need to understand when we look at the gospel, apart from the fact that Jesus is the one sending us to preach the gospel, but when we look at the what, the first thing we need to know is that without Jesus, there is no gospel. Without Jesus, there is no gospel. So when Jesus is saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he's literally saying, go into all the world and preach me. Preach me. So then, if Jesus is going to be so bold as to say, preach me, because I am the gospel, preach me, well then who is Jesus? Well, the first thing we note is that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God. Jesus himself even attests to this, right? We see in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father am one. Now, that's a bold statement. There have been a lot of crazy people throughout the history of the world who have claimed such things. What makes Jesus any different? So what evidence do we have that Jesus is in fact who he says he is? God. Well, there's several things we can look at, some evidence. So let's look at some of the evidence that we see through Scripture. One is that Jesus was sinless. He forgave sins. Only God can do that. He had power over nature. He had power over sickness. He had power over death. And then over 2,000 years later, over 2,000 years later, he still has tremendous impact, even more so than he did when he was on earth. But you know the greatest evidence that points to Jesus being God is the fact that he rose from the dead, the resurrection. And then why is the resurrection so important? Well, the resurrection establishes the validity of the Christian faith. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul, testifies to this when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to that or it'll be up on the screen here. But he says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And then most importantly, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless. And then so is your faith. The Christian faith is of absolutely no value without the resurrection. The resurrection is, is the cornerstone. So Jesus is the one sending us to preach the gospel, and the gospel and Jesus are synonymous, so we're preaching Jesus. And if we're preaching Jesus, it's important to note that, God, that Jesus is God, and that he is the central figure of the gospel, it's also then crucial for us to understand that only Jesus then can save. So in Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, it says, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, but I love this, which has then become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no name other, uh, there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So how is it that Jesus was able to be saved? Or, sorry, how is it that Jesus was able to save? There's a theological term called the hypostatic union. 
And the hypostatic union is a big word that explains the fact that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Why is that important? Well, it's important because sin entered the world through one man. And because of that sin, we were then all doomed to to death, to, to sin. We all were born into that sinful nature. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. But because sin entered into the world through one man, it could only be overcome by one man. But no man could do that. No man could live a sinless life. Only God could. And so if only God could live a sinless life, if only God could then take on the sins of the world, well, then God needed to become man. So Jesus, not only is he the central figure of the gospel, not only is he God, but then as God, he was the only one who could save by being 100% man and 100% God. And his mission, his mission in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, his mission for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Came to seek and save the lost. Now, when we talk about the what of the gospel, and if I, as I mentioned, if I, if I asked any one of you to stand up and to lay out the, the details, the ingredients, the components of what makes the gospel the gospel, a lot of you would struggle, and, and we need to eradicate that. We need to, we need to really understand as, as Christians, as believers of the Almighty God, we need to have the confidence and the tools to be able to communicate that effectively and simply. And so I want to give you a resource this is my gift to you. It's a resource that I came across that I put together um, in a way that I think uh, is easy to understand. I've adapted it a little bit, um, but uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a diagram that I believe most effectively communicates the facets of the gospel and how it is that Jesus can save and why it is that we need to be saved. Now, I have this resource for you. You don't have it in your hands yet, but it's a card like this. On one side, it's, a, it's the diagram itself in its complete form. We're going to go, go through it step by step. And then on the other side is a, a key, basically showing you what these, uh, what these steps are. So as we process through this, you're going to look at it now, just you know, absorbing it, looking at it, hearing it. And then as you leave, these cards, there are two tables at the back, and those cards are going to be on those tables. So if you'd like to grab one of these after the service, you can go ahead and grab that. And, uh, and if you have any questions, of course, you can, you can ask me later on. Um, but what I want to do is I want to go through, I want to go through this resource with you, have you absorb it, have you experience it, understand it a little bit more as we look at these key ingredients. So the first thing, in the beginning there was God. An infinite, holy God without any beginning and without any end. And God created then both man and woman. He created humankind with a body and a spirit. And then God loved 
humanity. He loved man and woman and had a perfect relationship with them, and that relationship was whole. It was without blemish. It wasn't twisted. It wasn't distorted. It wasn't broken. It was beautiful. And see, God's plan then was for us to have this wonderful relationship with Him. See, the Bible tells us that God loved, so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life, everlasting life. And then in John 10, Jesus Himself said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is what God wants and wanted for us in our relationship, in our whole and complete and beautiful relationship with Him. But you see, because of sin, sin entered into the world. And because of sin, we were all born into our sin nature. We're born into that, and because of that, sin has then separated us from a holy God. And so now, when that beautiful, perfect, whole relationship was there, now it's broken. Now a holy God, a holy and perfect God can't, can't congregate with an unholy, imperfect humanity. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all of sin and then fall short of God's glory. But then in Romans 6.23 it says that the wages of sin is death. And so when, when we consider the, the, the effect of our sin, our bodies are alive. Children are born with the sin nature. Their bodies are functioning, but their spirit is dead. Because the wages of that sin is death. And now this is the path that we're on. We're separated from God. And God is perfectly holy and people are unchangeably sinful. And now this great chasm is separating us between, separating us between God. And now these arrows, they illustrate the way that we continually try to reach God and His abundant life through our own efforts. You know, things like trying to live a good life and embracing an eye-opening philosophy or trying to take religious steps. But no matter how much we try, it's all in vain because we can never, ever bridge that huge chasm between a sinful humanity and a holy and perfect God. But it doesn't end there, right? The story doesn't end there because in Romans chapter 5, 8, it says that God demonstrates His own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us. Now remember, the wages of sin is death, but because of God's tremendous love for us, He chose to send His Son Jesus to die in our place. So Jesus willingly took the punishment of our sin. And just knowing this information isn't enough to start our new relationship with God, yet we have to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. John 1.12 says that, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. And so, when we do that, we now have this right relationship with God. Now, our, our, our spirit has been restored because of Jesus. But there's a choice that we have to make. 
There's a choice that we have to make, and Jesus put it this way in Revelation 3.20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him. Go to the next slide. See, we have this choice. We can either continue in this life of sin apart from the saving grace of Jesus, or we can accept the saving grace of Jesus displayed so perfectly on the cross. And then when we do that, the Bible tells us then our spirit is restored. Not because of our own efforts, but because of Jesus and the cross. But here's the catch. Regardless of whether we decide to, to, to bridge the cross and enter into this right relationship with God once again, only because of Jesus, or if we continue in this life of sin, there is this dotted line that goes across, and that's the point of death. We are all going to come to this point. We are all going to die. But the Bible tells us that if you put your faith in Jesus, that when you reach that dotted line, your body ceases to live, but your spirit lives on for eternity. We are now with God in this right relationship for all time. But if we continue in this life of sin and we don't choose Jesus in the cross, then as our spirit is dead, so will our body also. And we will, we will forever be separated from a holy and beautiful and loving God. So we have this choice to make. See, that is the gospel. When Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he's saying, go into all the world and preach me. Because look at what I did. Look at what I did for you. You know, when I was uh, getting ready for the, for the marathon, the what is really important. And I've learned this over the years, that there are what's when it comes to, to doing the marathon. There, you need to have the right shoes. I don't know if you knew this, but it's possible to spend well over $100 on a pair of tennis shoes. But you need that if you're going to run 26.2 miles. And all the miles that you do training for a marathon. Do you know that training for a marathon, you can run upwards of 500 miles? You need, you need the right clothes. You need something that's going to, to you know, not drench with sweat as you're, as you're running. You, you need to be able to have the, the energy, so the gels or, or, or gummies or anything like that that gives you the glucose, the sugar that you need to get you over the hump because you hit that wall at 9, you hit that wall at 13, you hit that wall at 19, and of course you need water. All these what's are so important. And if we don't get the what's right, then we might as well not even run. We have to know. We have to be able to be confident in our understanding of what the gospel is because Jesus has commanded us, has commanded us to preach Him to the world. Are you ready? Are you able to do that? That is an awesome responsibility, privilege that we have. 
And we can do that in this place. We can do that in this city. We can do that in this state, in this country, and throughout the entire world. I can't wait to see what God is going to do through us in the lives of people that He calls us to share His good news with, the gospel that is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your love and Your mercy. All these things are wonderful, but I also thank You, Father, for the specific commands, the specific instruction that you give us, Lord. And a lot of times we, we think about all, the, all the, 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 the feelings that come with a relationship with you, Lord, or the knowledge of hope and, and peace and mercy, but we, we forget conveniently the instruction and the commands. Lord, Jesus, your mission was to seek and save the lost. That is now our mission. That is our mission. It's to seek and save the lost. So Father, I pray that You would challenge us Lord, that You would speak to us over this week and the next uh, couple weeks, Lord, that You would open our eyes and our hearts to what it is that You are calling us to do. And I pray earnestly that we would have the courage to step in obedience. I pray this in Your name. Amen.